everyone. This is very exciting indeed. Welcome to the first virtual open house that the Anglian and Star are doing. My name, for those of you who don't know me, is Mark Heath. I'm the host today. I'm the sports editor of the Anglian and Star, and I've, I've done my hair and I've had a shave today, so that shows you how important it is. Um, joining me are two guys who are passionate about Switch Town, just as you all are. Um, first of all, you'll recognise this man, I'm sure, from numerous videos and stories. He's my right-hand man, Andy Warren, also known as Hutchie. Say hello, Andy. Hello. This is my, uh, yeah, I've done my hair as well, looking good. Superb. And also joining us today, on his week off, a very important individual indeed, so we're all on our very best behaviour, the editor of the Anglian and Star, Mr. Brad Jones. Hi, all. Hi, Brad. Pleasure, pleasure to um, be involved in one of these. Um, uh, on your best behaviour, let's see. Absolutely. Brad's making notes. <laughs> so... First of all, before we get going, point of order, um, although you can probably see us, we can't actually see you. Um, so in terms of asking questions and getting involved, you need to open the chat bar and ask questions on there. And, and then the guy, one of the shadowy archant figures we refer to on the, the Kings of Anglia pod, Matt Withers, is hosting. He's the tech guy today and he'll alert us to questions and, and unmute your mics so you can ask us questions and, and have your thoughts involved. So the way this is going to work, essentially, we're going to start with the obvious, which is the ongoing drama of how you end this bloody season. Because um, obviously that is going on and on and on. So we'll talk about that first. And then we'll have a little chat about next season and perhaps when that might happen. Will it be behind closed doors? Will you be happy to go to Portman Road? And then I thought because Marcus is such a big fan of his five-point plans, we could maybe between us come up with a five-point plan that could perhaps return town to the glory days. Of course, it's 20 years next week since town one promotion to the Premier League, and that seems a bloody long time ago, uh, and also a long way away in terms of where the club are now. Um, and then we'll probably finish just with an open open floor, really, um, just everyone having their say, asking questions, and that kind of thing. So let's get going. First of all, the big question, boys, is how do we finish this season? Now, a couple of weeks ago, it seemed inevitable that EFL was just going to be ended. That was, that was being widely reported and obviously by some very lofty individuals, so they must have had some very strong sources. Now, as this, as this rolled on, we're still in a situation where no one seems to know how it's going to end. There are clubs at odds. There's an impasse between the Super Six, shall we call them, um, which includes Town, Sunderland, Fleetwood, Oxford, Portsmouth, um, who, and Peterborough, of course, who are all saying they want to finish the season. Marcus has even written to the EFL to say... He wants to finish the season. Um, and others, obviously, um, who are not so keen. The likes of South End, who uh, are in the relegation zone and um, would like to see everything null and voided. Can't imagine why. And also Tranmere, who are saying that if the season is ended, they definitely shouldn't be relegated on points per game, even though they are in the relegation slots at the moment. So I realise this, this is a wide-ranging question, Hutchie, and we've talked about it a lot on the podcast. But where do you sit with it right now? How should the EFL League One season be ended? And what do you think will end up happening? What, what I don't think is going to happen now, I don't, I don't think we're suddenly going to be talking about Ipswich having home games with Southend and Bolton. I think the prospect of actually finishing, finishing the season as was is not, is not going to happen. There's not, there's club, clubs at that end of the table don't want to play. And I don't think I think the League Two, the way that League Two's been finished, um, suggests that that's not going to happen. They're not all of a sudden going to finish the league program. Mm. So it's either I think you're looking at two things. You're looking at either calling the season now and deciding it on a um, 
on a points the points per game or the weighted points per game. It seems like it would just be a points per game rather than the weighted one to adjust for home and away because that's what's been used in League Two. So it's either that or it's a Frankenstein um, Frankenstein playoff scenario, which has been mooted over the last the last few days. And, and also, there's obviously you could potentially just play the playoffs with the top six as they are, but I, I can't mm. see that. Mm. I can't see that happening. So it's between two, I think. It's either Frankenstein playoffs or working it out on a calculator. For those of you who have not seen, Frankenstein playoffs basically means expanding the playoffs. So normally, obviously, it'd be teams three through six. But in this case, it'd be teams potentially three through ten, which at the moment would include town, depending on how they decide to, to calculate that. Um, Paul Lambert, of course, went on record saying that he's not a, a huge fan of that idea. Um, Brad... You're an Ipswich Town fan. You're a former regular at Portman Road. How would you like to see the League One season finished? Well, I, I just don't think it will. I don't think it will. I, I, I mean, the, um, there's clearly, there is not going to be a consensus. It's impossible. Um, so, I, I don't know. I mean, I think the, the, the playoff idea makes, no, I just don't think it makes sense. Um, mm. It would feel, it would just feel bizarre, wouldn't it, for to suddenly now for Ipswich to be in a playoff scenario. Mm. Um, so I, I'm, I'd be, I, I just don't see a way out of this, and um, I can just see the whole thing being, you know, null and void. Mm. We shall see. As it stands, we are potentially we may have some breaking news on this. We are expecting some kind of statement from the FL today. It won't be about whether the season's going to finish or not, because that vote hasn't happened yet, but it'll hopefully just update us a little bit on what is on the table and where we are. Clearly an impasse between the clubs. We also need to talk about, before we throw it open to, to a few thoughts from, from you guys, is just the sheer cost to teams in the lower tiers of playing games. You, you're in a point now where it's estimated that if you were to play out the season as normal, i.e. behind closed doors, I know that's not normal, but the new normal, I hate that term, um, but you're looking at 700 grand just to put games on behind closed doors for teams with no gate receipts. Uh, and then you add on top of that the huge cost of testing, which they're looking at, I think I read a figure yesterday, 140 grand per club. So, Hutchie, are we in a situation now where, cynically looking at it, the, 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 the Super Six that want to finish the season want to finish the season, A, because maybe with the exception of town, they're in with a chance of, of going up, um, but also because they've got... they've simply got the financial resources to be able to take that kind of hit? Yeah, um, there's obviously a calc- calculated gamble there from, from those kind of clubs. Um, the, cost of, the cost of the testing is an interesting one because you, you can read that in a couple of different ways. There's, there's talk about that being funded by the EFL, um, the testing costs, but ultimately that's being funded by the EFL using money that would have eventually trickled its way down the football pyramid anyway so in the short term yeah that would be being funded by the EFL but in the the medium to longer term that means the clubs wouldn't be getting that 140 150 grand that they would have got as part of the solidarity payment further down the line so you're kind of what's the expression robbing Peter to pay Paul there with with that so yeah that would be a cost ultimately picked up Mm. shall we take a a few questions from from the guys watching Um, Amy Downs if we could unmute Amy and we can, uh, she's asked a question. Can you hear me, Amy? Hello. Can we, un- can we unmute, Amy? Sorry, my fault. Ah, there we go. Amy. How are you? 
I'm all right, thank you. How are you doing? Not too bad. Thanks for joining us. Um, so you, you've um, put something in the chat bar saying you think they should just restart the season as normal, I guess, whenever, whenever we can. That's the other thing that, that I don't really understand. If it's so important that we finish the season, why can't we just wait until October or whatever, when it is safe, finish the season normally, behind closed doors probably, and then just, as you say, adjust next season, maybe just have every team playing each other once next season or something. Um, what do you think? I don't really understand why everyone's trying to fall over themselves, trying to work out how to finish this season under various <clears throat> different hypotheticals. When really, I don't understand. I don't get why football isn't just waiting like the rest of us until it's safe to get back to normal. Yeah. Um, I do get the financial side of it. I completely understand that. And it is, it is a really troubling time for everyone. Um, but I, I personally think that we should just wait it out. Um, finish the season off whenever it is safe. So perhaps in August, totally understand if it's got to be behind closed doors, but um, we wait until it is safe for them to start playing again. And then you adjust next season. Something my dad pointed out, which I thought was a really good a good suggestion, was that the obviously the Qatar World Cup is in winter. Mm. So that might give us a chance to sort of even out the season and make it all um, sort of fit eventually catch up and end in the summer as we're used to um, and for me I, I, starting it now behind closed doors I just think there is too much danger of firstly the players catching it off each other and making each other ill and obviously the staff um, mm. and then you've got the medical staff that have got to look after them um, you know in case anyone gets hurt and everything like that but also the police presence that will need to be there um, because I'm sorry, but there is no way that you're going to get no fans going. You know, everyone's rushing off to the beach at the moment. If we know that football's going on, I personally won't. But there's no way that people aren't going to rush to... Imagine if you're like, um, I'm going to take a dig at them and probably get grief for it. But imagine if you Leeds United fans who are really? so close to going up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... I'm sorry, Leeds fans aren't going to not go and be there on the day they get promoted if it's behind closed doors. And it just the safety element, um, you know, the, we're being told to stay home because people can't be trusted <laughs> to be mm. safe. Um, so I don't really, I don't really see why that, uh, how behind closed doors would would avoid that if that makes sense. Mm. Um, I don't know if we can bring Sindre, our Viking friend from Norway, into into conversation. He's asked. A similar, he's actually said a similar kind of thing. Can we, uh, can we include Sindre? Sindre, can you hear me? I can hear you. Excellent. Hi. Hello. Thanks, thanks for getting involved. Excellent to, to speak to you. You're a long-time Kings of Anglia pod listener. That's Much appreciated. Um, so you're saying, like Amy, you, you think the season has to finish naturally. You say that points per game is unfair. So just, just tell us a little bit about what you think. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, in Norway, we're quite lucky. Um, we are quite uh, lucky in these days because the season hasn't the season hasn't actually started yet, so they're just um, um, like delaying it a few months. But um, yeah. uh, in the, I feel it's quite uh, difficult for you guys in um, in the UK because just cancelling the season and uh, having it null and void now for me would be quite pointless. Bearing in mind it's only eight or nine games left. So mm. um, like uh, Andy said yesterday. Um, just having a points per game would be unfair on teams like Ipswich who have um, quite easy um, fixtures remaining. Uh, so I, I have just been um, playing with the idea of having, like putting the players 
in one location, like for example at Wembley or something like that, and having them isolated from the rest of the society for maybe a month or two. Mm. Uh, I know that's quite difficult with uh, all the logistics and all that, but um, for the inter- integrity of the competition, uh, cancelling it with the eight games left would be um, a catastrophe in my eyes. So, uh, mm. Yeah. Mm. I suppose the problem with, with, with that would be having consent from all the players to leave their families for, for two months and, and isolate in a hotel. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, but, um, I think yeah. you could maybe, if they were to play their playoffs, you could maybe do that for a neutral venue and have them isolate for a period, like they were talking about doing, um, I think in the NBA, they were talking about having all the players staying in a hotel in Florida somewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Disney, Disney World. That was it, yeah. <laughs> Disney World and then, and then playing. Um, and obviously, it, we saw the return of football in Germany at the weekend. I know the players before that had been isolated in hotels together. That was really interesting, actually. What did people, just before we move on, what did people make of the return of football in Germany? There was um, a lot of... Uh, football but not as we know it essentially um, we had seen substitutes wearing face masks on sidelines and, and sit really far apart coaches as well wearing wearing masks teams using multiple buses to get players to arenas so they didn't have to um, break social distancing um, but Hutchie I know you watched some of that, that German football what, what did you make of it? Yeah it's different it's different but I think for, for all, the, all the things that were different the it was good. Yeah, the, the football was good. Um, in in what kind of what Amy was saying about um, fans potentially turning up. Interesting that that didn't happen in Germany. They were worried about it. Um, in the main, there wasn't any real issue with fans mm. congregating outside stadiums in Germany. I think there was one. There was one group who had kind of formed across the whole country, who each gathered up a sofa sprayed on the back of it that football is for fans and what went and left an empty sofa outside the grounds other than that other than that um other than that no fans didn't fans didn't turn up but in the main I quite liked it the football was good the intensity was was decent it there were times where it felt a little bit like pre-season because because players um players weren't up to the fitness levels but it it was okay it was okay and if that was the first attempt at football in the the new normal age. Um, that that was okay, but but obviously there's a lot more to do than just one weekend of football. It has to be sustainably safe. Mm. We don't know so, if that's the case yet. So I, I didn't see any of this, but what was the kind of level of contact? Oh, it was a, it was a normal football match. Just normal match, right? Apart yeah. from apart from with the goal celebrations, where you uh, you had to t- well, you meant to social distance, so you saw some players literally standing two metres apart and celebrating, other people touching elbows and others, like Hertha Berlin, doing the usual celebrations and getting told off for it. Um, it was, if that is how football is going to look going forward, it's going to be a strange, strange new world. Um, Martin Lambert, can we, can we unmute Martin, our friend HDR Martin, from a, a fellow at Switch Town podcast? Martin, no can you hear me? Yeah, good no relation to Paul. Martin? Hello, good afternoon. Hi, how are you, mate? Very well, thank you. How are yourselves? Not too bad. Thanks for joining us. So just on, on the subject of the season ahead, you've said that you don't think it can continue. The competition's already lost its integrity with players being released and injury, injured players. This is, a, this is a good point for town, actually. The likes of, of Kane Vincent Young, James Norwood, Jack Lancaster now, all back and potentially would be available again if they carried on playing. So town 
potentially would have a, a stronger team than they did when it's all shut down. Um, so what do you make of it all, Martin? What do you think should happen? Well, I just think you, <laughs> the only sensible approach is probably to, to, to not avoid it. You know, as you just mentioned, and as I mentioned in my, in, in my original uh, post to yourselves, Cambridge Young, we looked un, you know, un, unbeatable with, with him in the side. He'll be back, Norwood fit. We have players you know, returning from injury that make us look so much better. And then, of course, you've got the whole aspect of our fixture list on paper. Now, on paper, you know, it's one thing. It looks favourable. Um, would we have made the playoffs? Probably not. But it looks a lot more favourable you know, with, with clubs coming up. How do you take into consideration teams that maybe have already played Bolton, Southend, etc. twice against teams mm. that, that haven't? It's, it's one of those... Either way you shake it, it's going to be unfair on a couple of, you know, on some clubs and work out well in other, in other cases. But I think in terms of players being released, if I was a player and, I've, and I'm Danny Rowe, for example, and I'm being told I'm not wanted after this year, I'm not going to play on extended contract and risk a leg breakage or something, you know, nasty like that. It's, mm. it's no incentive for me. Yeah, um, Amy's, just, Amy's just said that in terms of the point of having fit players back, she says, surely that'll be the case for, for all teams, which I guess to a certain extent it would. So interesting, Martin, you're saying null and void it as opposed to any other way of, of finishing it. You think that's, that's fair with, with eight games left? I think so, yeah. And obviously uh, listening to the Nor- our Norwegian friend there, the integrity of the game, well, you know, with players returning and, and contracts, the integrity has already you know, kind of been lost. It's, it's not a situation that's being, that's being designed by one particular club or, or, or competition it's it's a pandemic it can't be helped you've you've got to be sensible and say we're not sure when we can return it could be christmas it could be january yeah. mm. you've just got to make a decision and i think paul lambert said that recently didn't you the, the lack of leadership which some would say could be quite rich i don't know but it's <laughs> you know um it, it, it's disgraceful we're still talking about it and without a clear plan yeah, that, I mean, that is, that is a valid point. Wherever you come at it from this argument, the fact that it's rolling on so long, I think, is, is dreadful. Um, someone somewhere needs to step up and, and make a decision. Um, can we just, we'll, we'll talk about next season in a bit. Can we just, um, in terms of moving the conversation on, obviously, whatever happens, town, you would imagine, maybe, they might scrape into the expanded playoffs, but it's certainly not been the season that we were hoping for from town. Um, I think we talked at the start of the season, Andy, about what would be a successful season for town. Would fans accept um, not finishing in the playoffs this season? Um, and you said that potentially, yes, they would if it was, it was a situation where they had a strong finish to the season and you could see there was heavy reliance on the youngsters, our own players, that kind of thing. And in, in reality, what's happened is, is the opposite. They started very well. And we were all getting very carried away. Yours truly, <laughs> HMS Pistol League, etc. Um, and then it all kind of combusted. Um, and in terms of playing, obviously the, the 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 squad got rotated, and Town decided not to play certain games because of the international break and the whys and wherefores of that. So Rich Woodward, um, I don't know if we is if Rich can be unmuted. Can we unmute Rich? Can you hear me, Rich? He can't hear me. Obviously not. Okay. Well, I'll ask his question anyway because it can't. Coming. Of... He's coming. Hello. He's coming. Hello, guys. Hi, mate. Hi. How are you? I'm all right, gents. How are you? Happy lunchtime. Yeah, happy lunchtime. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Um, in in terms of looking at the season and where it's gone wrong, Rich, you've asked. You you kind of made a point that had we finished tenth slash eleventh in the normal season, 
would Paul Lambert still be in charge? And in that case, does does coronavirus change anything? So it's something we've talked about on the podcast before. We've had a few questions as to has coronavirus saved Lambert? Um, Andy, what, what, what do you think? What would you say about that? It's certainly taken the heat off him, hasn't it? I don't think, yeah. you, can, I don't think you can deny that. Things were, things were building towards um, some not very nice scenes inside Portman. It's hard to remember what, was, what the feeling was like back, back then, as long mm. ago as March. But those, those losses, particularly the loss to Fleetwood and then the loss to March, um, was piling, piling the pressure on. And though it maybe hadn't quite reached kind of the point of no return for that conversation it was putting an awful lot of pressure on this end of season run that we're now talking about as being the favourable fixtures that, that could potentially have, um, have rocketed Ipswich into the playoffs. I mm. don't think, I don't think there's a, a burning desire for Marcus Evans to, to get Paul Lambert. I, I honestly, I'm not sure. I'm not sure he would pretend none of this had ever happened and it had reached the summer it should have missed the playoffs or maybe gone out in them who knows but I'm not sure Evans would have would have dispensed with Lambert I'm really not sure at that mm. stage but this Rich, has changed an awful lot Rich what, what do you make of it all where do you stand on the uh, where it all went wrong and, and what should what should happen with Lambert I think Andy, Andy's going to be right isn't he about um, it's a real harsh time to dispense of your manager during a, a global pandemic um, but but questions do need to be asked. I, I'm, I just keep harking back to 93 minutes of Blackpool and sitting in front of Coventry City watching them basically boss, boss the game for 90 minutes and thinking there needs to be some kind of a wake-up call there. And, and, and this kind of difficult questions, I guess, can be parked for a while, can't they? But it's a real tricky one. And, and a, a Dobro signing a new deal yesterday is positive news. We've got the academy here to do something positive and, and to learn the lessons and maybe not to rely on the freebies and loans and to give our youth players a chance because a league one wage cap is coming as well. So, mm. you know, there's, there's a route out of this for Lambert and the club. Um, I just don't know if I trust enough people to make the right decisions in the <laughs> next few months. Yeah. Brad, where do, where do you stand on the, uh, on the Lambert debate? Oh, there's no doubt that, that what's, what's happened has, has certainly taken the heat off. And I'd be absolutely amazed if, if Paul Lambert wasn't our manager going, going forward. Um, I think however football does restart, mm. I'm, I'm pretty sure Lambert will have a chance to try and make it work again, mm. even though it wasn't. Um, I, I just think there's, there is so much uncertainty around what's happening with football to, to get rid of your manager in the middle of all that would just, just add to the chaos potentially. Yeah. Um, but there's, but, but the pressure will, as soon as, as soon as the football restarts, the pressure will be back on him big time. Mm, mm. We're going to come to Matt Phillips in a second, but I've just been asked to, to remind folks to use the chat bar as opposed to the Q and a um, for asking questions and alerting us to, to what you want to talk about. Um, because we're monitoring the chat bar and, and, and the host, our tech guy has to have um, an idea of who you are so he can unmute you. But so Matt Phillips, if we can if we can cut to Matt Phillips. Hello. Hello Matt, how are you? 
How you doing? You all right? Not too bad. Thanks very much for joining us. So, right, thanks, thanks for putting this on. It's good. Excellent. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Um, so you you have said Lambert out and Nigel Clough in. Obviously, this is what we saw earlier this week. The kind of first casualty, if you like, in League One. Nigel Clough um, agreeing to leave Burton, um, and the club came out and said that was essentially as a a direct impact of the the financial issues caused by coronavirus. Um, so you're saying get Clough in. Obviously, he had success at Sheffield United. Has done big things at, at Burton as well. Mixed at Derby, but um, so yeah, just talk us through it. So you want Lambert gone? Yeah, I think like well, I mean, I would I would prefer to have had Brian Clough. But obviously, that isn't an option anymore, is it? But I think like <laughs> I think uh, I think Lambert plays go now. Do you know what I mean? You know, he's taken us from what top of the table to tenth in the yeah. third tier, which is just like. And I've been pro Lambert the whole time, but that to me is just unforgivable. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, I mean, as you know, a lot of the podcasts have said, you guys and Blue Monday guys have said, he's played like a thousand different formations, constant rotation. I don't know, I just feel like he's had his go. I just feel like mm-hmm. we need to probably get someone in. I think Nigel Clough has, you know, had great success with a really small club. I mean, Christ, they were like non-league for many years, weren't they? Um, mm-hmm. Took him into the Football League, done well there. Um, I'd like to see him given a chance with us. I mean... I know he went to Derby and didn't do very well there when he had kind of better resources and things. But I don't know. If it's his town, I just feel like it, that could be a good move for him. Um, and I think he's, all that success he's had has been in the last few years as well. Whereupon mm. Lambert's really been riding the coattails of getting Norwich promoted over a decade ago. So. Yeah. Where do, you, where do you think this season went wrong, Matt? Obviously, started like gangbusters. Everything was very rosy. And then it all went peaked on, as the saying goes. Um, where do you think it, it went wrong? Um, it's hard to pinpoint, isn't it? I actually, I mean, you can look at all those recent games. I mean, the debacle against Peterborough um, was kind of the catalyst a little bit. But I mean, it always, the wheels started coming off, really, didn't it? Kind of like November time when we didn't win. I don't think we won a game, did we, for like 12 matches, something like that? Yeah. I, can't, I can't really yeah. remember. Um, but, you know, well, how, about, how about the, the, the rotation of the squad and, and not playing... Um, games they could have played when they, when they had momentum behind them is that is that something you you yeah, would, uh... that was that was crazy I do I do feel like Lambert was kind of playing Ipswich with the big fish in this division we don't need to play these games until we say so do you know yeah. what I mean yeah um, I think our ego got in the way a little bit there um, we should have we should have played like a lot of guys said nothing you guys said we should have played the games whilst we had the momentum because if you lose momentum look what happens you drop down from first to tenth yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Um, thanks for that, Matt. Uh, Amy, actually, um, a question for you from Amy. In terms of in terms of Lambert, if he's going to be here, do do you think he'll learn from his mistakes, Andy? We're talking about. Uh, I guess this is rotation here. Yeah, you'd here. have to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on rotation, I think it didn't work, and I think I think there were people from. I think it would people from the very beginning would have guessed that it probably wouldn't have worked. The squad was too big. There were too, and it still is. And there are too, too many players that needed games. I get, I get the logic about you need the, these people to be fit for the big times. But the fact, the way that that was done was too damaging along the way. It was based on a lot of research. It wasn't simply, it wasn't simply them trying to be clever, but then you, if you, the re, the research was based around Manchester city, they went through every Manchester city, game for several seasons looked at who was playing what how many minutes and and all of that and the two just aren't comparable um 
because you're bringing in world-class footballers at that, at that club to replace world-class footballers. Mm. Um, if you're doing that with the greatest of respect at League One level, it's, it, it doesn't work. Um, but in terms, of, in terms of the rotation, I think it, it could have worked if they'd established a style first. Because it wasn't just they were rotating players. That rotation of players also led to rotation of systems. We've seen back threes, back fives, back fours, front players up front on their own, front twos, front threes. And at the same time, you're switching the personnel around. The, 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 the players didn't grow the relationships that you would have done because everything was just being changed. But I think you have to put some of it on the players as well because there were times where they simply didn't step up and, and play to the level that they're capable of playing. But in terms of Lambert learning from his mistakes, I would be shocked if next season, whenever that is, you suddenly find a rotation policy is the kind of central feature of their attempts to get promoted. The squad will be smaller, I'm sure. And um, that would bring that will bring added focus to it. Okay. Um, on that point of style, uh, we've had a question from Lewis Robertson. So um, while he's unmuted, I'll just read what he said. He says, Lambert's had an extended pre-season last year with us pretty much down from February and still failed to establish a style. What evidence is there that he's using this time effectively to plan for next season? He needs to go. So um, I don't know if we can speak to Lewis. Are you with us, Lewis? Hi, uh, afternoon. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Um, thanks for joining us. The floor is yours, Lewis. So you were just saying, just on what um, Andy touched on there, you're also concerned about the lack of a kind of cohesive and um, consistent style of play at town. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a culmination of everything that everyone's already said, really. Um, positive steps in terms of signing up the younger players. Um, good news about Dobra. But it's just a concern as to where are we going with this? And, and as we're all aware, last year we were pretty much down by February. Mm. Um, used the loan win, uh, January window of last year to kind of start to, to make steps and plans towards season in League One. And then by the time League One season started, there's excuses about, oh, don't need a system. Good players will be able to fit into any system and got a bit um, sort of ruffled feathers when questioned about it. And then ultimately that resulted in nothing. And, you know, as, as hard as this whole situation is, it's a really good opportunity to kind of get together, sit down and make a plan for next season. But I'm just not confident that Lambert's the man to do that. And um, it just worries me that whenever the season starts, um, and I won't say a particular month or date because no one knows what's going to happen, but, you know, give it a month, two months into the season and we're floundering around still, you know, by then it could be too late for another season. And I really think with the way that the whole structure of English football is going, there's actually a good opportunity for us now to kind of strike and, and start to make some ground up on teams in the championship who obviously finances aren't great here, but they're even worse in some championship clubs. You know, mm -hmm. we need to get back up there and establish ourselves as quickly as possible, I think, to kind of catch the wave of teams that are disorganised and a bit all over the place. And like I say, I, I think the, the previous chap who, who mentioned Nigel Clough, I'd, I'd support that really. I think it's a good opportunity to, to bring someone like him in and, and go from there. Mm, mm. We, shall, we shall see. Time will tell. Um, someone else on the, on the messages there, Jack McLean, who is Jack's larder, for those of you who listen to the Kings of Anglia podcast, he disagrees. He says Nigel Clough would be awful 
Lambert isn't working well, but Clough, no thanks. Um, that will that will split. Someone else whose name I can't actually see just saying, why don't we get Duncan Ferguson? His dad was a good manager as well. <laughs> what um, what do you say to people? And Harry Butcher, another another guy um, who listens to the pod, uh, says hello. But he also says um, this issue gets raised every now and then about Lambert, um, Andy, about Culverhouse being the real kind of um, the brains behind the operation. And, and since he's part of company and, and fallen out with Culverhouse, he's not been the same manager. His record hasn't been the same um, in in black and white. It, you can't you can't really argue with that when they when they were together mm. up and um since then since then things have been harder for Paul Lambert I would say with Paul Lambert's obviously obviously we know what's happened at Ipswich but in the previous jobs before then Stoke was a, a firefighting job with a with a bad squad Blackburn firefighting job Wal, Wolves was a very different club to where he was now and they were all all short jobs but um yeah, in terms of Ian Culverhouse, um, you know, the stats and the achievements kind of speak for themselves. Mm. That one, I don't know Ian. I don't know exactly what part of their relationship, who did what in the job. Um, but it's certainly something that gets thrown at him incredibly often. Mm. Okay, let's, um, in terms of wrapping this up and moving to, to next season, let's take one more question uh, from, from Simon Bartlett. If we can be unmuted, and I'll I'll just read out what he said. Uh, he says he agrees with Andy about the style. Look at clubs like Sheffield United and Wolves; they rotate, although not to the same extent. But everyone comes in, knows the role they're supposed to play. So, Simon, I don't know if you can um, you can hear us. Hello. Hi, Simon. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad, mate. You? Yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, I just so, I think when you look at kind of teams like like Wolves and Sheffield United, like I say. They play that structured three-five-two, and they've got a squad of kind of 16, 17 players. And anyone who comes in just knows instantly what their job is. It just makes it so much easier to do that rotation with a slightly smaller squad and, and a, a clear basis of how you're going to play. Yeah. So for you, that's where it went wrong. Was it the rotation, the rotation policy? No, I, I think rotation is fine, provided you do it correctly. And, and as Andy said, you've got the kind of the foundation of how you're going to play because then any player who comes in can kind of be like see the people who played before them this is the role the manager wants me to, to play rather than switching 352 442 and and that kind of everyone there's no partnership no one seems to know what they're doing mm. where do you stand on the on the big Lambert debate then I, I can't see him going I, th- I think there's definitely questions that he, he needs to, to answer and, and get right moving forward. Um, but I, I can't see Evans making the, the decision to pull the trigger on him at, at this stage. Okay, we'll see. Thanks for your input, Simon. Thanks for joining us. Hopefully come back to you a bit later on. Um, just one more, one more thing uh, from Rich Woodward, who we've already spoken to. If we can get Rich back, because this is something certainly worth, worth talking about. Um, Rich says, give it to Chambo and Scusi. Till the end of the season. Now, obviously, we talked about this on the podcast, Andy. We think both of us would like to see Luke Chambers as manager at Switch Town one day, but we're both in agreement that it probably needs to be after he's gone away and learned his craft somewhere. Um, I'm certainly interested to see just how much style Luke Chambers brings to the sideline. I think he'd really level up the style, the waistcoat, hat, all sorts. Um, Rich, 
talk to me about about Chambers and Scooty. If I'm honest, I've just put it on there to to troll a few people on Twitter because um, <laughs> a, a mixed reaction to Scooty's contract renewal, which I don't I don't personally get. Mm. The Nigel Clough situation is an interesting one because he, he's um, the press release from Burton or how it appeared from from press releases was he was stepping down as kind of a charitable thing because he's he's aware that he's quite a burden on on their wages mm. and and giving a, a Buxton a chance is obviously a positive thing I, I know that we're not in the same kind of category in league one as, as Burton quite are but mm. I've the, the the hate that goes towards Chamber and Scoose I, I so I need to say Chambers and Scoose sorry I'm not using their names um, <laughs> I, I don't really get and 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 let's be honest league one is isn't great the standard of league one is not good um if we want a rapid promotion and get out of here quickly clearly you don't give it to unexperienced people but i these people have been around the club a long time i think i'm fairly get abused by fans i think they know their stuff they've they've worked under mick they've worked under other good managers as well i i just don't see the harm i'm not suggesting it at all i'm not saying sack glamour and get them in but i've got a problem with it mm. It would be a popular appointment, I'd imagine. Although I think, I think we, uh, not, maybe not now, but but further down the line, I think if if it's a, if it's a returning Luke Chambers after he's gone away and 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 done bits to to kind of learn his craft, I could see that potentially being popular. Do you not think? I don't think there would. I it would I, no. I don't. I don't. I, the time is not right, and um, and I still think there are. I mean, nobody doubts their commitment to the club, how loyal they are, how, how you know, they, they, they don't let the club down. Um, but they are associated with this period of the club where it's been a period of decline. Um, I think, I think, and we're, for, in football, you can be forever chasing, you know, the art, a fresh new answer. And, and we've, we've been down this road so many times, haven't we? But mm. I, I just don't think for, for quite a long time that Chambers and Skews would be the answer. Okay. Any, any feelings on that, Andy? Not now. Def- certainly not now. Um, I, I would be f- absolutely fascinated to see how Luke Chambers got on as Ipswich Town Manager if he was given the job now. Um, but he's got to go away and learn to be a manager mm. somewhere else. Um, that has to happen. And he may well, and they would be a pair. They would come together wherever they end up going is more than likely they would be a duo. Mm. They could well end up being very good manager and coach, but I think for them to make that trans- transact, like the move now would be mm. no, not, not now, but I'd love to go. I'd love to see Luke go away, be successful somewhere. And then come back, but um, okay. yeah, you can't, you can't make that move now. You can't. Yeah, Rich, are you still with us? I am. Yeah, I'm just so, worried that if uh, Chambers and Scoos go off and get a successful Andy, that they'll be too big for Ipswich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What would what would you do about things, Rich, as it stands? I mean, I, I think the general consensus on the call is is right. I don't think Lambert goes anywhere. Mm. Um, and I mean, it's, it's such a weird situation. I think in any, any normal time, we'd be, it'd be fine to have these conversations. But I think just COVID just changes the situation so much. Um, and it might be that when the 2021 season happens, whenever that does, the league looks very different. You know, there are going to be some clubs who 
don't come out of this possibly. And if Ipswich are protected because of Marcus Evans' wealth and the fact we've got a quite a big supporter base who are willing in some cases to renew their season tickets without any certainty of seeing any football, then I think we're good, puts in a, in, it puts us in a good position where the manager perhaps isn't as important and, and therefore getting, of, getting rid of Lambert isn't so critical. Um, mm. But there's, it's just so difficult. I think, yeah, getting rid of Lambert is, is silly at this point. But okay. yeah, who knows what happens in six months' time. While you're still with us, Rich, let's move the conversation on, shall we, to, to next season, because you touched on it there. I guess the first question is is when next season starts uh, and whether you as a fan would feel safe going back to Portman Road as it stands. Have you got any, any thoughts on that? Um, only that um, if we wanted to socially distance at Portman Road, I'm sure there's plenty, enough, there's plenty of seats to keep a division between each of us. Just put a seat between us. I'm sure that'll be fine. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I'm... I'm yeah, I'm, I miss football, but I'm in, I'm in no hurry to risk my health or friends and family's health by potentially picking up COVID at, at football grounds. I, th- mm. I think possibly it will be... I, th- I like Amy's idea of lining it with the, the World Cup in Qatar if that happens. I think it'll be the new year before the, the new season kicks off and, and I, I doubt whether we'll be there to start with. But hopefully this thing gets itself sorted one way or the other in the next few months and, and we do start talking about it because it gives us a bit of hope, doesn't it? Absolutely. Brad, have you got any, any feelings on, on when and how the next season? On that one, I was, I was really interested. I was reading an article earlier this week with the chief executive of um, Lancashire, yeah. Lancashire Cricket Club, who play in a 26,000-seater stadium at Old Trafford. And they, he was genuinely talking about the potential for between, I think it was between three or 4,000 fans to be, to be attending cricket there around August, September time of this year, which I've not heard anybody suggest that for any kind of sport at this stage. So mm. he was he was suggesting they could make that happen. Whether that happens or not, I, I don't know. But um, There's plenty of space at county cricket though, isn't there? You can socially distance. Thought yeah, well, I think could, genuinely, I think you could almost play cricket. As long as you were at, yeah. as long as you limited, um, you could only have one slip fielder. Yeah. Play cricket and be distanced. Why not? Yeah, um, so, so you have to worry about the fans. There's there's not a lot to go towards county cricket. <laughs> you don't like cricket, do you? It's not that I don't like it. I'm just that's the fact. <laughs> They've sold out that ground for certain certain cricket matches. I won't have cricket completely panned, but um, yeah. I, I can't I can't see four or five thousand fans inside Portman Road for September mm. time. Um, whatever they're saying about about that, um, no, I can't see that. How about you, Brad? Do you think, A, would you feel safe going to Portman Road in, whenever the new season is? And, and if, if people generally don't feel safe, should we wait until fans can return to, to start next season? How would you feel? Well, I, th- I think it's going to be a long, long time before crowds are back full stop. I think you're going to be looking in well into next year because mm. the, the, until, until COVID is totally under control and there's a vaccine, social distancing will go on. Um, a lot of it is going to be down to how people feel about risk and how you manage risk. Uh, and I know a lot of people who will not go back to football, even if they're, even if clubs find a way of, of maintaining social distancing at matches. I think there are going to be a lot of people still really uncomfortable about that. Um, so I, th- 
I think it's going to. I think it's this football is going to be in a strange place for quite a long time. But hopefully, we'll we'll just have to find a way of this becoming normal and and actually being able to enjoy it again. But I can't. I, but mm. the, the, I can't. There will not be. There will not be crowds back this year. I can't see that at all. And and I think even for a part of next year as well. Okay, I want to get um, Thomas Seggins involved. He's 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 um, said something on the changes and skews thing, but we've moved on from that now. So I get Thomas involved on on the, the next season line. He's just saying on changes and skews. Um, he feels like they're being groomed to be next in line behind Lambert. We shall see. But Thomas Seggins is is a key part of our game day video crew. Mr. Game Day, the man with the gloves. Um, Thomas, can you hear me? Can, yes. Hello. Hello. Excellent. How are you? I'm good, thanks. You? Not too bad at all. So, Thomas, I want to talk to you about, about next season and when you would feel safe about going back to, to Ipswich Town and also should we wait until fans return to start next season? What, what do you think? Uh, yeah, um, we should wait, definitely. Um, personally, for me, I'm not at risk, so I can go back. There, I feel mm. like it to us, but um, for the people who are at risk, we need to go back when it's safe to do so, as like everything else. Mm. So you'd you'd feel quite happy if if it was, I don't know, August like normal. You'd feel quite happy going and sitting in Portman Road with with other fans. You'd be all right with that. Uh, if it was regulated and probably there had to be regulations in place to do so, yeah. Yeah, you'd have to get those gloves disinfected. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd have to just wear plastic gloves instead. Yeah, yeah. yeah so you're, you're saying you reckon that it should be delayed until fans can return. So if that's 2021, which has been mooted, you you think that'd be a good thing? What the season itself? Or? Delaying the season until fans can return. So if fans can't return this year, i.e., until 2021, we delay next season until until then. No, I think it should still go ahead behind closed doors. Yeah. Okay. In terms of, I think finish the season now and then yeah. start next season properly because, like, like Martin Lambert said, there's too much change now. It's, it's going to impact the season too much. There's, everything's different now to what it was back in March. So, yeah, a lot of change to how the season went. Like Coventry, they'd have gone and won the league. Now, if the season carries on now, then they could, like, their momentum's gone. They could fall down the league. Yeah. So, I definitely think it, it needs to start in August one way or another. I, yeah, I think it'll be behind closed doors. Hmm. Okay, thanks for joining us, Thomas, and thanks for all your your uh, input for our game day videos. Much appreciated. I want to get the transatlantic view, if we can, next from from Daryl, um, Daryl Jones, who is uh, our friend across the pond in America, Jacksonville, I think, Florida. So this will be interesting to get the uh, the view from across the pond. Daryl, are you? Can you hear me? Can you hear us, Daryl? Are you with us, Daryl? Daryl, please speak. I think I think he may have departed. That's a shame. Um, that would have been interesting to hear his views about um, life across the pond, etc. Um, uh, saying it won't unmute. Oh, it won't. It won't unmute. Try uh, try the bottom left corner of your screen, Daryl. There's a little arrow, and if you if you if you're wearing earphones, maybe you might have the wrong mic or or speakers um, selected. Just while just while we wait for Daryl, Simon Bartlett asked the question: um, Behind closed doors, games usually allows the press to enter. Certainly in the Bundesliga, um, 
players uh, at sorry media were a bit having their temperatures checked before going into games. Um, so Andy, as someone who attends every Ipswich Town game, you lucky man, how would you feel about going back to football? Um, I'd, I'd be okay with it. I think, um, yeah, as long as it was done, done kind of with with guidelines in pl- in place for that. Um, yeah, I'd be. I'd be okay with it. It's the equivalent of me going back to work. We've got two guys. There's two guys currently in my house fitting a new window. They've they've gone back to work. They're they're keeping their distance. It's um, they're, they're managing to work. I, I yeah. I think I'd I'd be okay with going back back to a ground. Okay. I want to get Jack McLean involved next if we could. He he's made the point that Lambert said, "What's the point in football without the fans?" Um, but obviously now Mark Evans is writing letters to the FL saying. We've got to finish the season, so he's wondering what's changed. But it'd be interesting to speak to Jack. We can get Jack on the line, so to speak. How are we doing? We're all right? Not too bad, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad at all. Thank you very much. Not too bad. Excellent. Jack, for those of you who listen to the, the Kings of Anger podcast, is uh, Jack's larder, uh, formerly our resident chef uh, and friend of the show. How, how are you feeling about things then, Jack, in terms of next season? Um, would you be happy to, to, to go back? For me, uh, I don't think we're ready. I think it's got to be... I, I personally think the season should be null and voided. Uh, uh-huh. It just it doesn't make any sense to try and put it behind closed doors anyway. Like I say, Lambert said, without fans, football is nothing. And now we're willy-nilly writing letters to uh, finish the season. Uh, but that being said, I understand why people would want to, prize money, etc. Yeah. Uh, that being said... Yeah, I'm not. Com- I wouldn't be comfortable going back to a football ground until there's a vaccine. You know, I I was due to go travelling, and I I'm not going on a plane until there's a vaccine, sort of thing. Same thing with a football mm. ground, I guess. You know, and and I can't see many people being different to me. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a big challenge, isn't it? How about the um, the Lambert question, Jack? Where do you stand on that? Uh, Lambert's got to go. I mean, no matter what, he is. Uh, <laughs> He hasn't done what we expected to this season. How many formations he's used, different players. It just isn't working, is it? Uh, mm. We can all see that. That's blatant. You know, he's given it a go. But the five-year contract, when that came out, it, it almost made me feel a little bit sick, if I'm honest. But, you know, it's <laughs> one of those things. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thanks, thanks for getting involved, Jack. Much appreciated. I think we can now go across the Atlantic to Daryl. Fingers crossed. We can hear from uh, from our American friend. Daryl, are you with us? We are. Yep, we're in. Excellent. Yay. How are you? <laughs> yeah, do, doing well. You have to remember it's, it's 7 a.m. over here, so, uh, so my brain's not, uh, not quite <laughs> awake yet. But, you know, all good. And, and for, first, I, I want to dip in on the whole would you go back thing because obviously we're at a different stage and, and everything's been different here all mm-hmm. along, state by state, um, as it has been for you. We were never – in a hard lockdown um i'm in a retail sales business or Hmm. or outside sales i guess you could say so um our restaurant and bar division was shut down Hmm. but our retail sector stayed open so i've been working non-stop through the whole thing um the the strange thing for me is um i'm i'm very much on the safety side so getting 20,000 people together sitting next to each other is very scary. Um, but as things have progressed, it, 
as long as those people are taking precautions, we're going to be in a much better place than we ever have been before. That mm. being said, getting 20,000 people to do the right thing, <laughs> you know, is, is probably not going to happen. So I don't yeah. know, if, you know, if they can I'm, open up under, under some sort, you know, how, how do you tell fans that, yeah, well, uh, Jimmy and Susie can go to the match, but Bob and Karen can't, well, Karen shouldn't go anywhere anyway, but, um, <laughs> but anyway, you know, how, how can you decide who, who should and shouldn't go based on the fact that we'll open it up with, uh, you know, with limited fans or with spaced seating, because obviously, you know, it's something you could do. Um, but yeah, the, that, that whole thing, the logistics behind getting back to it. Um, I think the logistics are probably tougher than the safety part of it. Mm. Safety mm. part of it, you know what you can do to be safe and to protect yourself and others. But how do you get fans back into a ground and get them to, to behave properly um, more or less, you know, everybody to behave properly. You can't, you know, that's like saying you could take a train from London to Manchester and everybody is going to sit every other seat and everybody is going to, you know, have a mask on, just talk to the person next to them, not move around, not sing, not, you know, it, it mm. never happens. So trying to get that in the stadium atmosphere where uh, the whole situation is just building energy, you know, it, 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 it's going to be tricky. Mm. You're over in Florida, aren't you, Daryl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Northeast yeah, yeah. Florida, yeah. Which is, which is a, a state that has, um, is, is, at least according to what I've seen, has been, has been, opened as it were is there any any kind of sport over there going on i know that the, well, the w- for, for you we had the ufc here in jack's last oh week. i know yeah that was all behind closed doors though wasn't it in terms no, right, of right. And, and and everything is and anything that they're doing um is, is still you know they they have not there's no basketball there's no baseball we have we have uh basketball baseball ice hockey and nfl here in jack's hmm. um, none of that has has happened and been open to fans. Um, I've, I've heard this week that the NFL are going to start opening their practice facilities, but even that is to limited players. Um, but things are starting to progress. And I can say that, that for watching each of these individual States, as things get opened, um, you know, the beach is open. Everybody freaked out. Nothing really happened. There was no spike. There was no change. We opened up restaurants. We opened up, you know, as it goes, there have been no spikes. There are still cases happening. Um, I, you know, I don't, without a, uh, a guaranteed immunization, I, I don't see any way that cases of this are ever going to stop happening. Um, you know, there's, there's situations where people that have had it, gotten over it, have it again. Um, so is it a thing that's just going to chase us for the rest of our lives? We don't know, you know, that's going to take years and years and years. So, um, the, the biggest thing is the, is the, a, the safety issue, but then each of us taking care of ourselves and anybody we intend to come in contact with just to make sure that, you know, we're, we're not as willy nilly with, with the way we go through our lives, you know, I mean, no shaking hands. That is something obviously in my work, I probably shook 25, 30 hands a day. That just doesn't happen anymore. Um, But, uh, 
You know, it, it, it's just one of those things people are going to have to get to a comfort level. And you know what? Even when they do open up the grounds, even when they do open things up, if you don't want to go, don't go. If you do want to go and you think you're taking a risk or you're causing a risk to somebody else, um, you know, then, then that's, that's a decision people are going to have to make for themselves. If it can be made safe for people to attend something, then it's all right for them to attend. But if mm. you feel comfortable with it, just don't go. Mm. Um, and I think in, in that case, uh, things can be done um, on a smaller scale. Uh, you know, again, it's just logistically. Mm. Excellent. Thanks for your input, Daryl. Much appreciated. And thanks for, for all your input into the pod as well. And stay safe. Yeah, can, I, I hope can, I, could I, could I get a quick friend of the show from Andy? <laughs> some people on this call will have no idea what this is on about but yeah that's <laughs> fine i do <laughs> friend of the show number one that's number one <laughs> you love that don't you do you yeah. have any idea what that's about yes that is the man who bought us the chris from America. Well, I was going to say, it's a, sh it's a shame you can't see me because I have a box of 54 bags of crisps here. And just, just on a side note, <laughs> my wife and I were supposed to be getting on a plane today coming to London. So not the happiest of days for us. Uh, uh, well, we, we hope this, to see you here. Yeah, this was supposed, supposed to be a long weekend for us, which for those of you that, that have the uh, calendar memorized, um, this Sunday could have potentially been a, uh, an interesting day for town. Mm -hmm. Um, and that yeah. was, that was definitely, uh, worked into the plans should it happen. Um, and here we are. Excellent. Thanks for your, thanks for your input, Daryl. Great to hear from you. Um, I want to, I want to move things on to regardless of when next season starts, what the town need to do to ensure next season is a bit better than this one. Um, Andy, I'm going to come to you to kick things off. What the town need to do this summer? And I appreciate there's obviously a lot harder to answer than normal, but what would you like to see town do this summer to, to improve their chances next season? Let, let, let's pretend this is a normal summer for the sake of, yep. for the sake of this question. Um, slim the squad, have a clear idea of what, what the system is, which I think they had last summer. I think they did, and then some things got in the way and confused it. They, I genuinely believe that a kind of four-two-three-one, four-three-three is what they wanted to do. And then, if you cast your mind back to last summer, everyone was injured. Ten players were injured. Caden Jackson suddenly, suddenly caught fire in in preseason. Him and Norwood hit it off as a front two, and it all got confused. And from then on they didn't ever get back to what they truly wanted to do and what they'd recruited for and what they were planning for. So slim the squad down, come to, a, come to an idea of what your approach is and then recruit according to that. Um, and that will give them a much better chance. Okay. I'm hoping we can go to, to Amy next, Amy Downs, um, who simply says that Lambert has to be more consistent, take this season as a practice run. Um, which is a good shout. She also asked about the possibility of getting Kings of Anglia face masks, uh, Andy and Brad. Maybe something you want to in invest in. That could be popular. Make a bit of money there. <laughs> um, Amy, are you, are you with us? I am, yeah. So, bear in mind, we've obviously talked all about coronavirus and the various machinations of that. 
next season, let's pretend it's, it's going to happen and, it, you know, it will happen at some point. What would you like to see Town do over the summer to, to improve their chances next season? Um, I think the first uh, and most important thing is whether we keep Downs and Wolfie. Um, potentially, if we're not finishing this season yet, we might, you know, we might get to keep hold of them for a bit longer than we were expecting. Um, but I, if they aren't here by the time we get into next season, I would say that our chances are pretty slim because you would assume that there's going to be easy, even less money to spend on players for the next, sort of like next time round. Um, mm. And also that maybe we won't get as much for them as we might have done had this been a normal summer. Um, because presumably prices are going to drop, maybe wages are going to drop. Um, so them going, for me, is absolutely key. If they go, I would be very, very nervous about what happens next year. But I also think Lambert just needs to be a bit more consistent. Um, it feels crazy to be talking uh, talking this way about somebody who is so experienced who has done this for so many clubs and he just seems to have completely got it wrong with us but mm. he needs to be consistent he needs to, exactly as you guys have all been saying I've been sat here nodding along we had the style we had um, a formation we had worked out what was going on um, to make us successful that's why we were top of the league that's why we were the best team in the league for half of the season mm. um, but it was when he started messing with that and that you know you go into work and your boss tells you to sit at a different desk you're going to feel a bit uncomfortable so it's the same for players if they're told to play in a different position on the field every game it's going to take a while for them to settle down so for me it's all about consistency but I genuinely worry about whether he'll admit that he made a mistake this year is he going to do a you know a bit of a Mick McCarthy and, and stubbornly stick to his own opinions and like go against what all the fans are saying yeah we shall see I think in terms of um in terms of time here, we've, we've had an excellent chat, but I want to try and kind of start to wrap up. Um, I wanted to, for us all to come to some agreement on, a, on some kind of five-point plan to return town to the heady days of, of 20 years ago, which obviously the anniversary is next week. Um, so if we could take that into account as well here. Amy, is there anything particularly in terms of a, a five-point plan that you, you would put on there? Is it even feasible, do you think, for town to get back to that, those heady days of, of challenging for the Premier League? Do you know what? This probably proves that there really isn't an easy answer to this for us. And coronavirus mm. is going to make everything even more complicated for us. Um, uh, if I could pick one thing to make us give us more chance to be successful next year, it would either be get rid of Lambert or keep Downs. Okay. Um, and maybe that's the thing is keep hold of those players that do make the make the difference when you see people like Diddy like storming it in the Premier League now and you think my god and Waggy as well um, it just feels tragic that we had these players and they well they we wouldn't be down in League One if we still had them so for me keeping Downs and Wolfie is probably point one on the plan um, and I might put sacking Lambert as number two, but I totally get Brad's point about it. Is the really we need stability at the moment with everything mm. that's going on. So mm. maybe maybe that's a like a backup plan when the rest goes wrong. <laughs> okay, I want to go to to Jason Milton next if we can, um, just to get his thoughts on on this. Jason, are you with us? Paging I'm Jason. Up. Excellent. Hello, mate. How are you? 
All right, enjoyed following the chat this afternoon. Well, I Thanks. almost responded to Woodward's comments regarding Scoose and Chambers, but I thought I'd defer this time round. <laughs> so, Jason, I want your thoughts on on kind of two things really. Next season, mm. so the five point plan to get Town back to where they once were. Um, do you think, first of all, it's possible in the current football climate for Town to get back to that point where they were challenging consistently every year to get into the Premier League? Uh, and, and how would you approach that? Absolutely. I see no reason why a club of the ilk of Ipswich can't be back in the championship and contending for a top six place. That seems perfectly reasonable. Uh, the psyche of the support base and the, and, and the, the, the club uh, is of a, a higher standing than we currently find ourselves in. Uh, it's really just being able to, to harvest all of that um, emotion and, and commitment from everybody to see us doing better and to mm. channel it. And I think Amy's spot on when she says channel it consistently. We've been all over the place this year. It's been a complete mess from start to finish. Um, so just get it consistent. Uh, and as they've said, bring through the youngsters and give them a crack, but do stick with them. Yeah. Do you think it's realistic though to think the town at, at the, in the situation they are, they can hold on to players like Flynn Downs and, and Luke Wolfenden? Frankly, they've had, what, a season of first-team football, season and a half of first-team football for every Downs, for every Wolfenden, there's another one waiting to come through. I don't get so antsy about this. Um, if they're good enough, move them on and you bring the next one through and you go again. That's, okay. that's how Ipswich did it back in the back in the 2000s, wasn't it? And, and the, the classic case of that is the summer of 99, Selkir and Dyer. Yeah. And that money was reinvested in John McGreal, Jermaine Wright, Gary Croft, and crucially, Marcus Stewart and Martin Royster within the next eight to 10 months. And that's what it's ultimately got Ipswich over the line. Mm. I, think, I think that in this modern, modern football and the way that the market is, or at least was, um, that's the way that Ipswich have to do it. But what, what they've not done in the past is is reinvest that money properly. Um, like if you take the Tyrone Mings money, for example, that's that's always pointed to as not being not being invested kind of visibly. But you, Mick McCarthy, for example, would argue that the loan moves for people like uh, Ryan Fraser, Tom Lawrence, they cost money. They cost a lot of money to get those X-factor players. Mm. But that's not building for the long term. Whereas the, the, the way that Kieran Dyer was moved on and then reinvested, that's, that's building for the long term. And I think that has to be a, that has to be a part of, of any strategy going forward, forward sadly, that you, you can't maybe, maybe to sit here now with Ipswich 10th in League One and think a team with, with Downs and Wolfenden can take the club from the middle of the third tier to challenging to get into the Premier League is maybe, maybe a little unrealistic. But what you can do is do your absolute hardest to get top money for those guys. Mm. Reinvest it into signings like Kane Vincent Young being the perfect example of the kind of player that you then bring in with that mm. money and use it to build rather than patch. Okay. I'm going to try and wrap this up about quarter past one. Um, I'm aware that people have got work and have lunch breaks that they've taken to, to join us. So I want those people to be able to go back to work but if we can get Simon Bartlett on next um, Simon's just said speaking of next season what do you think about uh, El Mazzuni Dobra Lancaster in a 3-4 in 3 of a 4-2-3-1 so Dobra wide left and Lancaster wide right 
Archie, any, any thoughts on that? A very young and talented, attacking-looking midfield. Yeah, I was think I was thinking about this this morning actually. Um, and yeah, yeah, there's there's talent, there's excitement in there. But it, it just reminds me of a photo that we that we uh, one of our photographers, Steve Waller, took um, in the summer of 2018, which was lining up for a pre-season friendly. You had Downs, Wolfenden, Dazelle, Nydam, and at that time. We, we looked at that thinking this could be a photo of the future of Ipswich for the next goodness knows how long. And it did, they've never really kind of all managed to get into a side to do that together. But you've got a bit of everything in there. You've got Lancaster's left foot coming in off the right. Dobra's a wild card little box of tricks. Idris, I really like Idris. Um, hopefully he's he's over his, um, his knee injury uh, relatively quickly. Um, I'm not sure you'll suddenly see them all starting on opening day as a front three in there, but I would hope all three of those have got really big, mm. big roles to play. Like big sign, absolutely. Simon, are you with us? Uh, yeah, I'm here. Hello, mate. Thanks for joining. So you've heard uh, you've heard what Andy's just said there about that that midfield that you proposed. How do you feel um, going forward about about next season and in terms of this five point plan to get Town back to where we all think they belong, which is challenging for the Premier League? What do you make of it all? Yeah, it's going to be difficult, obviously, getting back up to the Championship because I think the gap's getting bigger and bigger between kind of Championship and League One because the money in the Championship now is, you could say, it's basically lower in Premier League for a lot. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I think there was a report not too long ago, the top paid player in the Championship is on 64 grand a week. I mean, it's crazy money. Which is is crazy. And I think that the, the combined average of the top earners by side in the Championship, they're on 29 grand a week, which... You know, the haves and the have-nots and all that. But anyway, carry on. Yeah, and I think the best way to bridge that gap is through the academy because I think you can keep players that you nurture hopefully for longer because they've got a bit of a connection to the club. Um, but it requires resolve from the owner to make sure you do get that top dollar when you do eventually sell them on. Yeah. And then that money gets reinvested properly. Okay. I think that's got to be the way. And also, maybe you look at Norwich and the way they scouted in kind of in Europe and managed to find bargains across Europe. I think I mm. think that's something that Town have, have not been very successful at doing, mm. uh, and something they maybe need to look at improving going forward. Okay, excellent. I'm going to come to you, Brad. Um, in terms of in terms of returning Town to the the glory days, is there anything that you? I think so far we've got four of our five points. We've got keep keep the best players, invest in, in youth, consistency in terms of in terms of style, um, and also reinvest money better. Is there anything that you you would add to that, Brad? Well, I would have gone with the consistency again because and the style because the if you look at if we had every single player fit now, yeah, do, are we confident that Paul Lambert would? Would know what the what the best team was. Would we? Would we? Would we as fans understand where he was going with the team? Um, I mean, I start. I, I'm going to sound like a boring old fart here, but when I started watching Town, it was it was around sort of late seventies um, in that golden period, and the team didn't really change very much. Mm. Um, and 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 we just need to find good enough players and maybe they are there anyway I mean Leo Neal has said that he believes the squad is good enough he said that earlier earlier this year um, but we need to 
we need, we need them to be shaped into a team that plays consistently and can can start delivering a, a bit a bit of our, an identity on the pitch as well. Yeah, at the moment it just doesn't it doesn't seem to be there. Mm. Interesting question from Jason, and, and you're probably best place to answer this, Brad. He's asked, "What can the EADT do to help push Ipswich to adhere to a plan?" Now, clearly, we've we've been calling for Marcus's five point plan in the first place, which was mm-hmm. one of the reasons why he published it. Just just talk a little bit um, before we wrap things up about the paper's relationship with town and, and how you see that. Yeah, well, we we are we're there to be a. a a critical friend, I guess. We we want the football club to succeed, um, mm. and it because it, it's good for you know, it's good for Ipswich, it's good for Suffolk, it's great for fans. Uh, and so the last however many years it is now have, have been difficult, and we we've had we have quite a lot of discussions on a Sunday about. Um, Particularly on those difficult after those those matches where there's a lot there's a lot of angst about what people have just seen, mm. um, and you can't you can't be knee jerk all the time. You, you've got you've got to take a balanced overview. We want we want to support the club, but I, we do not hold back from being critical when we need to. And Stu and Andy both write those pieces. Um, and actually, I think the club takes them on the chin um, uh, because because Stu and Andy um, know what they're talking about and understand the game. And um, but so it, it's a balance, isn't it? We we are we want the football club to be successful so much, but it's really it's really not been good for for three, four, five years now, um, mm. and. Um, so we, we put the pressure on when we need to. Mm. Okay, I think that's a good point probably to, to wrap it up. Carl Fuller's literally just joined. Sorry I'm late to this. He says I was held up on a work call. Carl, what are you doing? You missed it, my friend. Um, so, yeah, I think in terms of the five-point plan, I think we've got keep try and keep hold of the best players, um, invest in youth, obviously, bring players to the academy. Consistency of style, which has been a, a big thing we've heard repeated quite a lot. Invest, reinvest money into the squad. And perhaps move the old guard on as well, someone suggested. So, um, except when players are coming to the end and, and move them on, no room for, for sentiment, etc. Um, if you have missed any of this, you can watch this on, on catch-up. We're going to put it in a, in a story online so you can watch it all back. Um, it has been tremendous to have you all involved. It's been great to have so many people uh, on this talking to us and, and making some really, really good points. It's been really interesting. Um, Brad, is there anything you want to say before we, before we head off? No, I just want to say thanks to everyone for joining us and um, let's hope we can do more of these. Absolutely. Hutchie, any, any final words? Um, no other business. No <laughs> other business, excellent. <laughs> well, thank you very much for joining us, as I say. Um, fingers crossed we'll find out at some point what, what's going to happen with the FL League One season. We hope you've enjoyed taking part in this chat today. We'll probably try and do some more going forward, maybe even a live Kings of Anglia podcast. How would you feel about that? 7pm, get on the beers, everyone have a bit of fun. But thank you very much again for joining us uh, and we'll see you again next time. From true crime to football, Brexit to Oakville. For more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash
at audioboom.com slash channel slash archive.